Temkin. I'm Patrick Clip. Clop. <laughs> this is episode. <laughs> this is episode four of the Rewatch Podcast. This week we're going to be watching episode four of Lost White Rabbit. Uh, this episode is sponsored by MailChimp. MailChimp is used by over 6 million people and businesses, including us at Cards Against Humanity, to send email newsletters. Um, our guest uh, this week is a uh, returning guest, Jana Kinsman. Uh, Jana joined us in the pilot episode, and she's back to talk about how the last few episodes of Lost have been going. Uh, this is her first time seeing Lost, so it's kind of fun to get to hear her reactions to things and, and hear her speculation, um, because she's uh, getting to have um, uh, fun watching Lost for the first time with us. Um, it's it's a good it's a good spot for her to kind of like check back in because I think Walkabout is since the pilot the first big sort of okay here's what this show is like we've had an episode all about a character and then we've had an episode about a character but you know that very much encapsulates the mythology of the show or at least the potential of the mythology so super excited to see what Jana has to say because I think if the pilot grabbed you and you're intrigued it's in episodes like Walkabout, where you are you going to stick with this show? Because shit only gets weirder, right? Yeah. Like, like, and that's yep. part of what's genius about the pilot is that it's just weird enough that if you think this is not your cup of tea, nothing about the show is going to pull back. the The show only gets stranger and stranger and more outlandish. Uh, and uh, so, I'm curious to see how she falls on that. The way she responded to the pilot, my, I'm going to be optimistic. I'm, I'm hoping she still likes the show. Yeah, I often tell people when they're like starting it for the first time, watch until Walkabout. And like, if you don't want to watch the show more at the end of Walkabout, it's not for you. But just kind of give it the benefit of the doubt. Like, see all of the different notes that it can hit, and like all of the different tones it can take. And I feel like that's kind of the 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 broad like introduction to all of the themes and ideas and stories and Lost. And then um, the sense I got watching White Rabbit is that it's kind of lost, like hitting its pace. Like White Rabbit is the first episode to me that feels like a weekly kind of episodic. Like it slows down. Yeah, like the, the get you know we've put we pumped the brakes a little bit. You realize this isn't an HBO show. It doesn't have just ten to thirteen episodes. Like it's a network television show that has to fill what twenty three, twenty four episodes. Like that's a long sprint, and so. It's natural for shows to kind of, you know, pump the brakes, but some shows do that in different ways. And and Lost, by establishing the flashback conceit so quickly up front, it gives it the show a lot of options. Because if it was just 50 or, I guess, 42 minutes of uh, just on-island action, they'd run out of things to do because they'd have to slow that down. So the flashbacks essentially let them tell two stories that can be complementary to one another, and it makes you anxious to get back to the right. island, and that's what when you're anxious to get back, it can be yes, because maybe the the primary storytelling happening in the flashback is boring, but it means that the the balance between the two is working. They want you to be anxious to get back. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, like on a show like this, especially where you know it's kind of a thriller, and you want you you just want that tension, like you want to be gripped by it. You you want you don't want to be bored watching it, and having that tension. Michael like, got bored though. What's that? Michael. He was bored. Yeah. Like, literally. Yeah. By a boar. Yeah, that's true. I'm just, I'm just really just going to string that joke out. <laughs> uh, not your best work. Damn. All right, I'll come back to it. I'll come back to she it. Should have massaged, massaged that one. Oh, God. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Like, just being able to flip between, you know, there is that, that mystery for a lot of the characters of, like, what's going on in their backstory. Like, at this point, I can't wait to see more of Locke's backstory and see, well, how did he get injured and what's going on with his legs and 
what's the whole situation with that um but also simultaneously wanting to know like what's happening with the action on the island like it's just a great it's such a great back and forth that that kind of sucks you into every episode right away and especially in that first season where you don't know like i'm experiencing this you know you know we were talked about orange is the new black a little bit i think on the podcast but if not off the yeah, podcast yeah we, we did an episode uh, you know about how it's using a you know a similar uh, narrative trick in order to uh, allow characters to not have to go through a, an exposition dump in the show that wouldn't make any sense or would feel forced and they can do it through flashbacks and that informs uh, you know what those characters are doing and their motivations in the main story and that's what's great about this like first season of lost is realizing that's just a gold mine every single time. You know, some characters hit more than, than others. And I think, you know, Kate and Locke show, you know, what, what it's like to get an A story, one of those, and one that's to get kind of like a B story, one of those. But it's still such a treat to know that, man, I have so much to learn about all of these characters. And they do such a good job of sort of realizing that, you know, not every, you know, flashback is going to be, well, Locke, you know, couldn't walk before he got to the island. And they play with you, you know, expectations in that way uh, to, where they, you know, they want to maybe work towards a reveal, but then it turns out it's not, you know, it's not something all that exciting. Yeah, and I think, like, the backstory, one of the reasons I'm so fond of season one, and I think season one of Lost is just, like, perfect, and all the other seasons of Lost um, get progressively worse, is, like, I, I just, I never care more about the characters than now because I can't, every time they show me a flashback of a character, I'm dying to know why were they going to Australia? Why were they on the plane? What's, what's interesting about their lives? Like, why should I care about this character? And you get that just like constant sense of discovery and, and you start to see how all of these people's lives were before the plane crash. Like I, you know, once it sort of settles into more of a routine and you're seeing these characters week after week, like I just, I just, it's hard for me to be as excited as like meeting someone new. Um, and to its credit, like I think the show does a, a good job. Like uh, this is where it's hard to not talk about any spoilers right. on there, but the show does a good job constantly refreshing itself and reinventing itself and giving giving itself um, more opportunities for for what to do with the flashback segments and in ways that are surprising and interesting. Um, but it, yeah, it, you know, the show is sort of you know it's a show that. You know, because of its relationship with its audience, always seemed very aware of maybe when they themselves had to come up with a creative reinvention. Sometimes it worked better than others. You know, certainly that explains a lot of uh, some of the reaction as the show went on. But you can't ever really say that Lost didn't try to do something different. And that actually became, you know, one of the fun parts about New Seasons was like, well, what well, what are you guys going to do this year? And And this first year, you don't have any of that because the the trick is still really fresh and the characters are really fresh so every reveal is just surprising in better informs you know sort of the the action that's happening on the island itself yeah it's never it's never more you never have that sense of like anything could happen more than you do at this point in the show and i yeah. remember watching it just being so delighted every week of like the the range of emotions and the range of stories and we talked about this i think in, in the we we touched on this in the pilot episode but like Lost is kind of notable for being able to hit a lot of tones and to do it pretty well. Like, when it's funny, it's really funny. Like, there is one, at least one or two lines in every episode that are, like, laugh-out-loud funny to me. When it's scary, it's really scary. When it does action, like, it's pretty good at being an action show. Um, you know, when it's a thriller, uh, it's a really good thriller. Like, But, but I mean, like, like the, to the action, you know, I don't know how much, you know, we don't know a lot about this creature in the jungle right now, but... In its design, 
you know, visually in terms of what they're showing us allows our imagination to run wild. And the yeah. characters comment on that, you know, about, is it a dinosaur? Like, what, like, what is this thing? And, like, that seems like it's kind of baked into, in, in, in a little bit of a way, sort of the budget of the show. is like, look, we're, we wouldn't be able to show, like, a dinosaur all the time. It looks stupid. So let's design whatever this is in a way that allows the audience to kind of go wild with their imagination, but also doesn't, because that's the problem with some of these these shows is when they have more outlandish concepts, and you'll see this in Lost when it dips into more CGI-heavy stuff. It doesn't always work. You realize that they're working on a budget across 23 episodes, and you know what? Most of the CGI is going to go into the finale because they're really trying to go out with a bang at the end of it, um, and I think that kind of plays into the creature for sure. Um, yeah, I would say it's kind of like it's kind of like the war of the worlds effect. Like sometimes, like not being able to see it is like even more oh, yeah, terrifying. No, yeah, like, no, absolutely. You, your own imagination is always going to show you the scariest thing to you and the scariest version of something to you. Uh, and that's that's a that's something that Lost is is very smart about the way that they sort of uh, like obliquely and very slowly dole out the mythology of the island and the mysteries of the island and the information about the monster. Like it's just tantalizing, and you. You really feel they let they give you lots of time to fill in those details with the craziest things you can imagine. And of course, we also talked about last week. Like sometimes your expectations just just run wild with that, and and they're never capable of making something that's as good. Yeah, as that's what there, you can there's imagine. a double edged sword for sure. And Lost like ran into that <laughs> more than its fair share of times. Um, all right, well let's do some uh, follow up from last week's episode. Um, got a great uh, tweet from Brian uh, about last week saying, uh, good show. I loved how comatose Max was this week from traveling. <laughs> Patrick would make a great point, followed by dead silence. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, uh, while that is is true, we were also doing it over Skype. That's um, true. That was our first remote show, so I think it was just a little awkward of like not being able to... Uh, and it's one of those that if we had more time, you know, a lot of shows that do things over Skype, they end up... They don't tell you this, but they edit out that dead silence, so it sounds like points are being made much faster I, than they actually. So happen. the other thing that's funny about that is I did edit out a lot of the dead <laughs> silence. Like on the flight back, I spent a lot of time. I was really proud of how well I edited that episode. So, so that you know, the fact that only one person pointed it out means you did a good job. Yeah, you can only work with what you got. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I love how that's your like go-to thing. I'm like, well, we didn't have any time to edit. I spent like four hours editing that episode on the plane. Uh, I think we got the audio levels a little better, too, on that one. Um, You want to do the next one? Yeah, I'm going to say this is Emil Grendelman, which I just... That's a great name. Grendelman is a really... That's a creepy-sounding last name. Like, I wouldn't want to run into a Grendelman. (laughs) That also sounds like maybe like an 80s horror creature. That's what's on the the island, is the 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 Grendelman. Grendelman That's that's the monster reveal. Damn, spoilers! Yeah. Um, And they point out... Uh, why did Kate eat bacon for breakfast at the farmer's place uh, in Tabula Rasa? Uh, was it the fake kind of bacon, <laughs> or perhaps uh, it was when she got on the island? When she got on the island, she decided to become a vegetarian as part of starting over. I think that's easily explained in that she was inhabiting, you know, she was trying to lie her way through being a part of this. She uh, said, "Does she say she's a vegetarian in that episode?" Or what, she, what no, that come she from? says it on the island at some point when they're going to hunt for the boar. She oh. says like she doesn't eat meat. Uh, or something along those lines. Boy, they sure drop that that little character bit. Yeah, I don't. I'm sure she eats meat somewhere else in the show. Like that wouldn't be surprised. Well, I know of I know of one scene in. Let's see if I can make you think of it without uh-huh. saying anything. It's in the what the beginning of season three. Yep. It's with a character we haven't met yet. Uh huh. It's like a it's like a dinner situation. Oh yeah. Okay. I right? got gotcha. you. Yes. Yeah. 
I'm sure they probably ate meat. Yeah, that's probably just one of those you add a character detail and then you drop it at the plot's convenience. Yeah, uh, that's you know, weird. I never noticed. I didn't even notice that until it didn't really register with me until. Yeah, she was uh, eating the bacon until and eggs the Grendelman um, pointed it out to us. Yeah. But the, oh, the Grendelman. Like the, the Grendelman is the is the monster, the <laughs> continuity monster that uh, eats people who uh, complain about <laughs> continuity errors and lost. Um, all right, our next one is from Jay. Uh, Jay says, "Yo, Max and Clip Clop." Oh, I'm so happy this is catching on. What a fucking great interview with Jeffrey Lieber. I had this image of him being this horribly bitter guy who would just shit on the show and J.J. Abrams, but he seemed like a super nice dude, hoping he can get more interviews like that. Uh, and I just included that. We, we got a couple of messages like that, and uh, I just couldn't agree more. Like, um, you know, for a guy who um, his his work ultimately was not used in Lost, and Lost is, was, was obviously this hugely successful show, like he could have a, a very different attitude about it. And I, it, you know, if I put myself in his shoes, like, I think I would have a very different attitude about it. I think I'd be bitter as fuck that, like... It's 10 years later. Off. Like, I kind of got the sense, and I think you get a little bit of that in the, in the interview, yeah. is that this has, you know, been an ongoing process, maybe. And that, you know, some of that bitterness, you know, may, may have been there early on. And I think, you know, whether he was... You know, fairly or unfairly scorned like just being a part of a process like that even if it's just a corporate process that you just happen to be a bit player in you know abrams is probably not to blame and nor is lieber they were just two two different sides of a coin as part of the same project but yeah it was really cool to like i, I love that story about the emmy and, and yeah him and going like, there the, the guy just like he couldn't have been more of a mensch like he was just so, yeah. he was such a nice guy he was so reluctant to self-promote which i which i was awesome. I know. Like, I, I, I love, the, I love yeah. the fact that I, I was like, okay, yeah, here we go. When's your premiere date and yeah. stuff? It's like, I don't know. In yeah. September. <laughs> it was great. What's, and, your, and what's was, your best work? I don't like, know. <laughs> how cool of him to come on the podcast too. Like, I mean, yeah, like, and he's, he's, he, a, he's he, a big shot showrunner. Like, you know, yeah, it's NCIS cool New Orleans like is yeah. going to be much bigger than Lost ever was. Most likely, you know, those those shows do really well. And you know, he offered at the at the end. It wasn't part of our interview to to come back and just talk about like TV and how you develop characters. And I, you know, I think we'd love to have him back if, uh, if he'd be up for it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one other um, point about that. So I actually, I hadn't uh, looked at his uh, original script. Like I had sort of read about it, but I hadn't actually read the script. So I just sort of um, went on the dark UFO link from uh, the show notes uh, last week, which are, uh, if you want to check that out, they're at uh, rewatchpodcast.com. Uh, that's sort of clicking through the script and there's like a lot of little beats in his in the Jeff Lieber script that did make it into the pilot, hmm. um, which are pretty. It's pretty interesting. So like the one scene that stuck out at me was there was a um, a little comedy kind of a, a light bit where one of the characters is like throwing the spear at like fish trying to catch the fish, you know, and it reminded me of that bit in yeah. the pilot with like Hurley and Charlie trying to catch a fish. Yeah. Um, so they were clearly um, with a spear. Hmm. With like a sharpened stick. So it was like, there were clearly some little pieces that, that were picked. Like, I mean, I, I think that's too much of a coincidence. That's such a specific visual gag right. to have that in, in the Libra pilot and the, the JJ. That's cool. Pilot, so. um, let's see. Yeah, and, this, uh, and then we, uh, are, you, are we answering this one from Dan? Did you, yeah, that, yeah. Okay. Dan says, is there any chance you will continue the podcast with further series of Lost? I think he means seasons. Uh, if demand is high, and uh, yeah, you know that's something we've talked about. Uh, the idea of doing all of Lost on a one episode per week uh, basis would take us two years. We just—I don't think there would be the there's, energy for there, something like the that. The vast majority of Lost, there's not an hour to talk about. There's not an hour's worth of content to talk about in them because there are just some stinker episodes. Like the average quality of an episode in season four and beyond. Like I, I just I. 
I don't want to listen to someone else talk about it for an hour. I don't want to talk about it for an hour. It was interesting at the time because you were the show that you didn't know where it was necessarily going. So there was, right. you know, when you have the energy of uh, unlocking the mysteries and debating the things that you don't or don't know, there was time to fill that. I, you know, so what we've we've thought about doing is that we want to address the rest of the series and the idea of doing sort of individual capsule podcasts about a season. There's probably more than enough, you know, there's 60 to 90 minutes of stuff to talk about from each season, and we can put those out and feel like we kind of address the, the show as a whole. But, you know, it's really hard to imagine, like, like especially the last season. I just, I don't know if some of those episodes, oh, God, season two, season three, I, mm, I want to say things. I won't say things, but there are moments in season three with, let's say, with Kate. Uh, that uh, you yeah that you wouldn't want to talk about that for an hour. So we do want to address them. We will address them. Uh, but you know, also we have ambitions of hopefully doing other things with this podcast. And you know, even just doing the season one of Lost will take us you know almost six months. So uh, so we'll get to all of it, but uh, probably not on a per episode basis. Yeah, and the fun. I think the fun thing too would be like, especially if we're going to do a longer format episode to talk about like you know all of season four of Lost and talk about it as like a body of work. Um, like my dream would be to get people who were involved in Lost at that time, so writers or actors or people, and and try you know hopefully by that point um, um, the podcast will be a little more established and we'll be able to get some cool people to come and join us. So if there's uh, along those lines, if there's anyone that you guys want to hear on the podcast or anyone that would be super interesting to you, um, feel free to send us an email. Uh, our email is just rewatchpodcast@gmail.com, and we'll we'll do our best to try and get them. Um, but also look them up on Twitter and send them a tweet and just say, hey, I'm listening to this podcast. It would be great to hear you on there. And uh, hopefully that'll um, help get the word out to uh, to that uh, you know group of actors and uh, writers and showrunners and stuff. Because I think for like for me, like um, I, I've I'm pretty like balls deep into the world of uh, lost trivia and minutia. And like one of the things that keeps it that, that I, I'm now with some perspective, like I want to go back and, and hear about is like. What was it like behind the scenes? What was it like creatively? Like, how did all these decisions get made? Um, and that was what was so cool about the the Jeff Lieber interview for me was like you see a little bit of how the sausage uh, got made, um, like leading up to the show. So yeah, I definitely got some ideas, and I have some tricks up my sleeve to track some some folks down, and uh, we're gonna try and uh, try and make the best Scoops. of that as the show the show goes. It's it's easier than you think, Scoops. but I'm, I refuse to give away my secrets. Um, Ask people on Twitter. Uh, our next uh, message is from John. John says, uh, I watched all of Lost from start to finish as it aired without referring to any online or local community. After the finale aired, I looked for this repository of knowledge in the various communities to satisfy my curiosity about what others thought the ending was all about. Uh, and what you mentioned about lowering or altering expectations was definitely the case. I loved almost all of Lost, and I was engrossed in the story to the point where, in retrospect, I would ignore its problems and its plot holes um, and the average character development. But had I been focused on the red herrings, the screen grabs, the reactions to twists and character moments, I feel like I might have finished Lost with a more negative feeling. Yeah, that, wow, that is, I mean... That doesn't shock me at all. exactly what we were talking about last week. I mean... Um, May yeah. not be true for everyone, but I, I did have a strong suspicion even when I was watching the show, and even as someone that liked where Lost went, you know, I had reservations along the way, that the internet's ability to overanalyze, hyperanalyze, get hyperbolic about this stuff. It's just the way the internet works, you know, the sort of the collectivism of criticism that happens uh, through uh, communities like that can sometimes sort of inflate uh, what you would feel by yourself not attached to all that. So, I, you know, you know, maybe that won't be everyone, but I'm, 
I, I think it's really cool to hear that, and you know, it is one of those uh, instances where, man, like if there was a show where I could just zap my brain and watch again and just experience it for the first time, like Lost would absolutely be it. Ooh, boy. I don't think I'd go with Lost. What would you go with? Probably The West Wing, I think. Really? I think The West Wing is the show I got the most pleasure out of seeing it the first time. Because like it's hard. I go back and watch rewatch the West Wing, and I and it's like a lot of the just like zippy dialogue and stuff. It's like I'm not as like grabbed. It's by not as it. pleasurable because it's it's you're it's repetitive. Yeah, right. I kind of know. It's like yeah. It, 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 there's not so much depth to it. It's just like incredibly well written and and really engaging. But like, yeah. And as to compare it to like a show like The Wire, for example, like I've probably seen The Wire as the show I've seen the most. I've probably seen that show all the way through start to finish five or six times. Mm-hmm. And every time I watch it, I, f- I am more enriched by it. Like I find, have you seen the wire? Uh, I've seen uh, a couple seasons of it, but it's like on my like okay. shame list. You're, of... you're a monster. Yeah. Uh, but every time I rewatch it, I mean, the wire is a show where it's like you have a satisfactory watching of it your first time. And you're like, that is a great TV show. I enjoyed it. And then if you, you'll wait a year and you go back and watch it the second time. And it's like, you're, you can't believe how good it is knowing how they set all the dominoes up in the first episode. And I mean, it's, that makes sense. And, oh, and, and so actually, the, the West Wing, which I have not seen that show to completion. I've seen uh, most of the first season. But also, I know of the drama that was involved in that show and Aaron Sorkin like leaving as a showrunner mm-hmm. and, and things like that uh, during various seasons. I, I wonder about all that stuff. I, I follow that stuff a lot. And I, you know, the rise of the showrunner, which actually, weirdly, to get it back to Lost, like, I think Lost was a huge part of the rise of the showrunner as sort of a public force uh, that talks about, like, I don't think people really knew who showrunners oh, absolutely. were. Um, absolutely. And Lost helped define that with Carlton Cuse and Damon Lindelof. Um, but, you know, like when, when the West Wing takes a creative dip because Aaron Sorkin's gone and you read about it in the trades, you know, w- you might have noticed that that season wasn't that great, but would you have, like, been emo- like emotionally upset because you know that Aaron Sorkin didn't work on it? Yeah. Like, probably not. What's I was going to say before, um, so, so like, thinking about John's comment, um, you know, it's interesting. Like, I think it's, it's not – what I was going to say is, like, I think Lost – for me, I, I – had sort of heard about the idea of spoilers from the nerd community uh, before Lost, but I had never cared about them. And I, even when I was watching Lost, I didn't give a shit about spoilers. I would actively go online and like go on Dark UFO and go on the tail <laughs> section, see the the, the casting yeah, notes. I, and... I wanted it. I wanted it all. Give yeah. me the episode titles. They would have leaked scripts. They would have everything. And I'd be like, Yeah, I want it. The more I can learn, the better. Fuck it. And I and I really noticed like not enjoying. I was very disappointed every week and I didn't enjoy it. And Lost was the first show I ever saw where like I, I developed that discipline, like not to look at spoilers and I became conscious of it. And I think it wasn't just me. I mean, I, I think Lost has got to be one of the first shows where like the public at large took this idea from nerd culture, which is like being conscious of your experience as the viewer and going in fresh and not being spoiled. And it just became this big public idea that was part of watching Lost. I viewed hear it in the office or wherever people were talking you'd be like oh don't spoil me don't spoil me I right i haven't watched yet. yet it's on my dvr so, like and and that's the thing where the 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 importance of the showrunner that comes from nerd culture too because i mean I, during you know during star trek people would know who was running the show and they would go to the comic-con panels i mean that stuff was that stuff goes back to decades into the fan magazines for like you know sci-fi shows so i think lost 
in retrospect, like one of the big things that it did culturally was it brought this very nerdy way of viewing and appreciating media, like what we're doing now, right? Um, which is having a hour long discussion about each episode of a show 10 years after it aired. Like <laughs> that is fucking insane. That is so nerdy. Um, but it's become very pop culture and lost had that real fusion of like just a, total nerd thing like caring this much and going into that much depth is such a nerd trait and like a trait of like a genre thing but it, but lost was also like my parents could watch it and it had you know a love triangle and yeah. it had these like it's more very, broadly appreciated yeah. as opposed to like nerd culture is used to liking things that only other nerds like and it you know this is long before you know, geek stuff became trendy or, you know, pretending you're a geek became yeah, a well, thing. Yeah, well, like, this is like the famous quote, like the Ronald D. Moore quote. So after he worked on Deep Space Nine and as he was starting Battlestar Galactica, he sort of left the Star Trek family to go do Battlestar, the new Battlestar Galactica reboot. And he, he said something to the effect of, like, the world has had enough of, like, spacemen wearing pajamas sitting in like a fancy room looking at a tv screen like that's just like too silly and it has no correspondence to people's lives and you just don't have these human moments and i think battlestar galactica was such a revelation for people because it was t- it took you know the a lot of the like atmosphere of sci-fi you know it had spaceships and space Battles the sexy and, parts of sci-fi that anyone can appreciate that that yeah. doesn't go too far down the rabbit hole yeah i mean and and it 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 certainly had had times when it was extremely nerdy but um you know they paired that with the same thing it was the same formula it was good characters it was like genre it was like yeah it was like a genre fiction and a mystery that that ran that was a through line through the whole thing and just great characters where you really cared about their well-being and their their journey as a character and how they changed and how it affected people around them. I mean, why is he that's... wearing this really bad fat suit for so many episodes? <laughs> like, really, could you just get some like a slightly better fat suit? It's very distracting. Yeah, uh, I forgot about that story. That was, well, they had some sad. Do you remember Black Market? Uh, yeah, there was some. Just oh, like, Lee, just like Lost. Leah Dama, Leah Dama is the Kate of Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Don't care about what happened before Battlestar Galactica. Barely care what happens on the spaceship. <laughs> like, I know when it's a Leah Dama story, I'm going to be bored out of my mind. <gasps> God, that fat suit. Yeah. So bad. Yeah, not great. Well, um, we should probably think about talking about this episode. Let's do uh, our interview. Yeah. After we set up the interview. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, so let's go to our interview with uh, Janet Kinsman and check in on her uh, time watching Lost. Okay, Janet, you have looked into the eye of the island. And that what, was beautiful. What did you see? <laughs> <laughs> so I think this was my favorite episode so far. Um, it was like, I took some notes down, I kind of rewatched it so I could have a good idea, but... This was like the Jack episode, and it was very Jack-heavy, and then his whole like backstory. What are your feelings on Jack as a character so far? Well, I think he's like every other character so far, in that everybody's trying to like use this opportunity on the island with a bunch of strangers to like be who they never were in their real life, or like you know who they thought they could be, and I think Jack really is becoming solidified as, like, a leader and, like, kind of, like, this 
good guy, like, this good character, and, like, he just was really good, even though, like, in the past, maybe he was, you know, he didn't think he could be good, or was as good, or didn't think he could handle things, but, like, it was just a really, I don't know, this episode was really solidifying for him, and I think, yeah, I really like him as a character. Have you found that, like, a lot of your opinions of the characters have changed since the pilot? Like, because you were, you had made some pretty strong judgments of some of the characters. No, um, I really feel like I judged well enough to the point where, like, I, I feel like it's, I don't know, I'm going to have new favorite characters, but the ones I don't like, I don't see them, like, suddenly redeeming themselves, but, mm-hmm. like, then again, it may be kind of like a Breaking Bad situation where it's, like, I, like, love the characters that I hate, and, like, I can't decide, and it's just this, like you hate everybody but you like really feel for them sort of thing you know yeah yeah um (coughs) what did you so tell me about Locke are have you changed your mind about Locke at all yeah well I didn't have any opinions about him the first time but he's he's a really compelling character and I He's really interesting and weird, and he's got, like, a lot of sad old man vibes, but then he's got, <laughs> he's got a lot of, like, kind of, like, a midlife crisis vibes, where it's, like, he's getting to become this, you know, adventuresome person that he wasn't able to be due to some leg issues, and I think that he really, I don't know, he's starting, he's just, he's really interesting to me, and I... I like his spirit the most. So I think there's there's already kind of the question is coming up in this episode of like, is there something supernatural happening on the island to some of these characters? Or is there something like out, you know, just just something sort of mysterious happening? Or is it just, you know, everything's explainable by science and it's just like Locke's legs got better or whatever. Do you have any, like, what are your thoughts having, having seen yeah. what you've seen? Well, I'm having the same, like, <clears throat> crisis of, like, where I don't know what what it's going to be and what's going on. Like, part of me feels... Like, when Locke was talking to Jack, when Jack was going on his, like, vision quest, um, he... What he kind of told Jack, and, like, the fact that we saw that Locke did look that big monster, like, like, straight at it, like, unquestionably, like, and that he... The questions he posed to Jack about, like, you know, what if everything's happening for a reason? Then I started thinking, like, I don't know, I started thinking about um, kind of, like, those movies where, like, then everybody wakes up and they're, like, in a mental institution. <laughs> like, you know, it's all inside of, yeah, of a snow globe, yeah. Yeah, that episode of Community when <coughs> they, like, the therapist was telling them that they just imagined all of Greendale and, like, everybody watching it was kind of, like, wait, what if this is true? But then that was, like, a joke. But, like, I was starting to feel kind of like a feeling of disappointment that if that was the case where everything was kind of, like, predetermined, that, like, that's kind of disappointing. Whereas if everything is explainable by science, then that's more compelling to me because then it's, like, just a lot of insanity to uncover instead of being like, well... It's all just a mystery thing, and there's this really bizarre supernatural thing that, you know, kind of like the hand of God came in and made that happen. Like, maybe, I mean, that's why probably I liked Breaking Bad so much, was that it was all, like, 
human level interactions and like science and that sort of thing where there's nothing like you know supernatural about it what are you excited to see more of in the show like are you excited to see more of jack's past off the island um i'm not excited per se with anyone's past and specifically but just making like getting to see more of everybody you you don't want to see what happened to lost or to uh, sorry to lock's legs no, I want to see everything. Like yeah. I, I'm like, like as this Jack thing was unfolding, it was like, you know, they have that one scene where it's like he's talking to his mom and she's like, "You need to bring him back now." Then you're like, "What's going on?" And then like later on in the show, you find out that he died and that he needs to go to Sydney to like literally bring his dead body back. And now like if I go back and rewatch the whole episode, then I will see what she means when she says that. And I have a feeling like that's just a small scale, like version of like what's happening in the large scale. Where like I understand why people love rewatching the show because like answers come way later, and then you rewatch it from the beginning, and you're like, oh, I see how that ties in there. And I think that's like going to happen with a lot of people's past influencing how they're acting in the present on the island, and that's really interesting to me. Um, but, I mean, I'm excited with this episode because it, it feels like finally, especially at the end when Jack came in and he was like, look, here's what we're going to do. He was kind of like solidified as the leader and things that are happening on the island are like less nebulous and chaotic and they're going to become more like, here's how we start to deal with things. And like, you know, even just the water crisis that happened in this episode was like really, really interesting to me because that was like this thing that needed to be solved, you know, it wasn't just like these small scale human emotional problems, but it was like, okay, how are we going to like actually deal with this now? Are those some of your favorite stories The like more like, like just real world, like how do you survive on this island? Like, what do you do with your life kind of questions? Yeah, I tend to fall in that camp, but I'm not like, like a, I'm not like, opposed to being swayed in other ways like i'm like when i so when i like watched it the first time <clears throat> all i cared about was like i wanted to know like all the mysteries like how did Locke? what happened to his legs and what's the monster and and where did jack's yeah dad's body go like i just want to answer yeah to all i'm these. freaking out about that that's a weird I'm one a right major, like but then i wondered if it's because they didn't allow the he was having such a hard time getting onto the airplane if he was just like well I'm gonna throw his body in the dumpster and then just take the casket back because I can't get the papers back or something <laughs> that that could happen that could happen that'd be a big letdown right yeah yeah um <laughs> that's so interesting I never considered when I was watching it that like <laughs> the body didn't make it on the plane that's such a good theory um but yeah but now that i'm watching it the second time i'm way more i love the survival stories because it's like it's actually like that is the they're doing it really accurately i think of like you would run out of water so fast yeah. and you have to figure that and out and it would become like everybody would just hate everybody else and it would start getting really primal and weird and like i really i'm really starting to love sawyer's character because he like i still hate him but i like his <laughs> character because he's like he knows how shitty everybody is and he like understands that like shitty way people get about things and the fact that he like looted for like booze and cigarettes and porn and stuff and all this weird shit it's just like he knew like he knows like he's gonna become the guy yeah and like he knows like that and I I, I see that that aspect of him only just 
becoming stronger and stronger to the point where, like, it could even be possible that, like, he becomes the new leader. But he's kind of, like, bad. He's, like, kind of dark while Jack is, like, light. And, like, they're, I don't know, they both offer two different things. Two different views of, like, human nature. Yeah, or, like, how to survive. And, like, I don't know, Sawyer seems much more doggy dog or, like, I don't know. He, like, you know, wanted the gun and, like, I don't know. I'm well, that's, I mean, that's a main, that's a main, that's, I think that's definitely, like, one of the main themes of Lost right from the beginning is, like, are people, you know, when you, when you take away all of the trappings of society, like, are people essentially good or are they essentially bad? And, yeah. like, once people don't have these, you know, police officer around to make you follow the rules, what's our natural state? And that's, that's this Jack speech at the end of, like, live together or die alone. Um, yeah. People have to kind of figure that out. Yeah, and I'm I'm really I was afraid kind of at the end of last episode that we were gonna like lose Jack as like this like strong person, and then even in the beginning of this episode I was like, man, he needs to like sort his shit out or whatever, and like I I was sad to like see him leave as this like leader figure, and he kept like pushing away from people that were like looking to him for guidance, and like that was kind of a moment where I was like, oh, sad, but then it seems now that he's gonna really start to like be a good organizer and that's good so are you in general are you hooked on lost like are you going to stick with it yeah definitely i yeah it's it's hard to like not watch it all (laughs) yeah at the same time it's like incredibly pleasurable to even like i rewatched it just before we came in here and like it was so great to just watch it again and like just it was so it's just such an emotional show and like the music's always perfect and it's just did it like, did it get you at the um, yeah. Patrick and I were talking about the end of a walkabout where you first find out at the end of the episode that Locke was in the wheelchair and the music is going and they put oh, the yeah. wheelchair in the fire that gets me every time yeah I no, get choked even up at the every end time of this episode it also got me and like I don't know yeah it's a great really um, just emotional and well scored show. Do you, so Janet, you're also um, kind of like a naturalist and you're a beekeeper and you know a lot of things about trees and you know a lot of insect facts. Have you picked up on anything in the show that was like interesting or that they got wrong? No, but I've been listening and watching and I think Brent like told me or something that they filmed some of it in Hawaii. Yeah, it was mostly shot in Hawaii. And so then, or yeah, maybe it was one of you guys. So I'm always watching out for those sort of things, but um no, not yet. I'm watching. I that. think if we were on a flight together and it, and we crashed, you would be the lock. Like <laughs> everyone would just sort of like dick around for a few days, and then you'd kind of like come I'm out. Like, of, well, you'd come out of the, the trees and you'd, you'd you'd kick open the box of knives, and you'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> you'd be like boars by the look of them. <laughs> that yeah, no, I really related to that because I'm often amongst my friends the one who's like, oh yeah, no, that's that's this and that, and they're harmless, and I'm like, look, you can even do this or that to it, and yeah, I, I really I like Locke in that way, and I like how he's I like how he's using this opportunity to reinvent himself as like this man that he kind of always wanted to be, and kind of shed this like sad man like skin that he had back in his office and his like sad world, so. I don't know. I'm excited to see how he evolves and where his like where he ends up in like the group hierarchy. Um, then the Korean couple is still like they're still an outlier, I think, as far as this whole like group that's starting to like 
I don't know, solidify. Yeah, they're kind of a wild card. We we don't know a lot about them yet. Yeah. And they're they're the we get their flashback next week, so you'll actually get to oh, you'll get to learn a lot of um, cool things about their backstory. I speculate that she is a like in a, an arranged sort of situation where oh, there's no actual like like marriage of love happening. I'm really curious to see that because it's it's the strange dynamic right now that I don't you know I don't know about. Are there any other background characters that have kind of caught, caught your attention, like Hurley or Claire, the pregnant woman, or... Claire, so this episode started out with, like, two of my biggest, like, TV anxieties, mm-hmm. which is ocean things and mm-hmm. pregnancy things. Mm-hmm. So, like, whenever those are happening in a TV show, I'm just, like, always on Do you not like the ocean? It. Well, I don't know, just, there's always been, like, movies, like, the movie Gattaca, where, like, they swim out to, into the ocean, and, like, I grew up, like going to like Michigan so I don't have like an ocean life where I have any kind of like comfortable relationship with it so like just the idea of like swimming far out into an ocean is like why would anyone ever want to do that so when I have to see it in a tv show I'm just like oh god something bad is gonna happen and then like that girl who's out there I thought that like was imagined and that everybody was collectively imagining that this girl was out there and it was like I was confused about what was going on and yeah, I'm really like interested to see how like the pregnant girl and the baby thing shakes down and It's one of those great like ticking time bombs they put right in the beginning yeah. where you're like something's going to happen with that. Yeah, and it just keeps you it keeps you so into what's happening on the island of like I want to see how these stories play out. Yeah, or even just like I'm just like you know like when you start playing a video game and it's like you are given a map and it's just blank and then there's like a little box where you are and it's like your surroundings and that's it. Like, that's how Lost is for me right now. And, like, the further people go out or the further relationships develop or the further, like, backstories develop, then it just, like, your little video game map becomes, like, more populated and you start seeing other things. And, like, as you watch, you start making this, like, mental, um, like, like shelf where you're putting all these things and you're like, here are the assets, like, here's what's going on. And, like, even just, like, Jack wandering off and there's, like, a cliff and there's, like, a waterfall. It's, like, making the world so much bigger now. <laughs> And, like, the other half of the fuselage, maybe, that he came across that had all the, like, check baggage or something, or uh, cargo, probably. It was probably cargo, right? Because yeah. there was, like, a bunch of dolls. Um, that whole thing is just, like, that's a whole new part of the map, too, that it's, like, I just can't wait to see how big the island can get. Because right now, it's just, like, this tiny little beachfront with all this, like, plain garbage. And, and you, you already bigger. have the feeling that it's, like, part of this bigger picture. Yeah. That like, you'll see more of, yeah. That's, like, always the coolest thing to me when there's, like, an island in a movie. It's just, like, how many areas are they going to find? Like, how many resources are out there? Like, imagine what could be growing at different elevations that they could utilize or something, and you've got that face that's like, oh, Jana, I can't wait. I've got the tricky, I've got the tricky grin <laughs> on your fence. Um, well, I think what, I think what we, I think, now I'm, I'm so excited for you to see the, the last episode of the season. So I think what we need to do is some sort of live thing where we watch the last episode yeah, together. That Maybe really we, fun. we get a bunch of people together and we like yeah. find like, get a movie theater or something, and then we can have a, a conversation about it oh, afterwards. Man. But I can't wait for you to see the last episode the of last the season episode? of season one. How, it's gonna... how far away is it from now? Um, you know, I don't know. I think there's like twenty something. There's like twenty something episodes. That's so great. 
Yeah, we're we're. I mean, we're, what are we? Five episodes in or four episodes in now? So we're we're just getting started. There's actually like a long way to go in the season, and good. Um, that's one of the reasons the end of season one is so great is because it's like you really get a feeling of how far you've how far these characters have come and how far you've come as a viewer. And I'm I'm so I'm kind of. I think I think one of the reasons a lot of people wrote in and like wanted to hear you have you back on the show and hear what you think is like people are really vicariously like living through you and they <laughs> they love getting to find that stuff out um, um, through you and and think about you know how it helps them remember like the first time they saw. Are it, they so. gonna do like like is the end of the episode gonna? You don't have to answer this. This okay. is just rhetorical for everybody to giggle about. But are they gonna do like a zoom out of like where they are on the beach and they just zoom out and then show everything? Don't say anything. <laughs> okay, thanks, Jana. We'll talk. We'll talk to you soon. <sighs> and thanks to Jana for joining us again. You know, in an ideal world, we'd be able to do this every week. But people have like schedules and things they have to do, and like they real... have millions of live bees. <laughs> yeah, I only have one bee. It just stings my dog. She's. Uh... Jane is dealing with uh, a lot of bees. Can we but... say what's happening with your dog right now? Because it's we... it's sort of adorable and pathetic. Thanks all. At me, so my dog, my dog was stung no, by. She did not. She didn't move at all. Go check on your dog for Christ's sake. All right, Patrick's getting up to make sure his dog's still alive. She is barely. So she was. Uh, so uh, she got stung by. Patrick has a tiny Chihuahua. Is that yes. accurate? She, it's she's the size of like a like a football essentially, and she got stung on the paw by a bee, mm-hmm. and she's she's. We've given her Benadryl. So right. So the, the vet, the vet said, give her a Benadryl. So you're, you're you're giving the Benadryl in case of an allergic reaction, so that if there is an allergic reaction, you have time to go get it taken care of by a professional. But also, the side effect of a Benadryl is a sleepy time. She, and she's on like anxiety medicine, right? Yes. Okay. So it's uh, she and she doesn't react to things. Yeah, very and she's much having so she's she's on this speaking. like she's on a doggy bed the size of like. Giant donut. It's like a truck tire. It's huge. Yeah. It's yeah. huge. She's swimming in this thing and just like <laughs> sprawled out on it. And I just, I'm so scared because she's like, she has her like sedatives and her Benadryl. She's drinking a glass of wine over there. And I'm just worried she's going to, any minute, she's going to stop breathing. So every once in a while, uh, Patrick just yells Pixel and we see if she. Um, Vincent. Vincent. <laughs> blow, the, blow the little dog whistle. Um, yeah, I can't even. She appears whistle. to still be alive now. Yeah, we're good. Poor, That'd be a real dog. tragic mid podcast. Whoops! Sorry, we'll be back next week. My dog died. <laughs> Shit just got dark. Uh, you know, that's one of the. This uh, is is not really a spoiler, but now that I'm thinking of it, because I'll never think of it again, is that the the showrunners on Lost said, you know, they obviously had like tons of like sort of one off ideas that they always wanted to do and just never quite got around to doing, and one of them was doing an entire episode from the perspective of Vincent because oh, God, I wish they did that. The, that idea, was, so the idea was that Vincent would allow them to conveniently sort of place a character in spots that would allow for exposition that wouldn't be able to happen any other way. And it was just an episode that got kicked from like one season to the next season. And they actually made a good on it in a small way with a, they did like webisodes that don't even start with that. That was Oh, wait a minute. Okay. There's a couple of good webisodes. That one was so infuriating. We can't get into it. I know, I know. We can't say anything about it. But do you know the one you know the one involving yeah. Vincent? Like Yeah. But but now but wait a minute. Now I'm sort of processing it with what you told me about There's some contradictions raised by the Vincent webisode. But no, but no, because it makes sense with the, with what you told me. Yeah. It makes total sense with what you we talked about. Yeah. 
How do we? We got to talk we, about this. We maybe we'll do it like after the theme music. We'll stick around and have some spoiler chat this week. Okay. Do a spoiler yeah. chat. Okay, we'll do spoil. I think on this specific point because when I explain, okay, we'll get to it. Yes. All right. We'll, All right. So it won't happen now. There'll be a clear at the end of the episode. We're gonna get into spoiler chat. You should not listen to that unless you want to spoil it for yourself. But please don't do that. That's a terrible idea. That that noise in the background of a table of a, a door being built is the spoiler chat. <laughs> yeah, that's your that's your spoiler no chat. No, we'll do it. Uh, we'll do it after the theme music. So listen all the way through to the end of the episode, and we'll have a little spoiler chat this week. Okay. Um, so let's see. This was uh, so as I said, I think this was the first episode that feels like a, a weekly lost episode to me. Like it clearly focuses on a single character, a boring character, Jack, and we have a boring flashback about his life. Um, it it's sort of neatly, pretty neatly split into an A story and a B story where the A story is Jack and his sort of like spirit journey or whatever on the island. And the B story is the, the water shortage that's developing and how the characters deal with that. Um, and then it sort of like starts out with an exciting action scene and it ends with, with sort of a more uh, uh, tender moment. And it also introduces this great, huge, crazy mystery um, of, of, of like what's something his... happening on the island. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you, you know, to... what is, why is he seeing his father? Well, like, you know, where's, we... where's his father's body? Right. And so, that, so we, yeah. we, you know, Tabula Rasa closes with uh, Jack seeing uh, just this man in the distance in a suit. And, you know, we're not given any context for, for what that is. And like trivia is that the actor who was uh, shot for those scenes in Tabula Rasa is not. The actor who was cast and played as Jack's dad in White Rabbit because they had not cast Jack's dad at that point. Oh, because the flashbacks were shot after Hawaii. I don't know, but just whenever they shot those those scenes at Wintabula Rasa where they needed a guy in a suit, like you know, the same sort of general white old guy outline, but you know, the the actor who ends up playing his dad was was not there, but he is obviously present in uh, in White Rabbit. And yeah, so we open White Rabbit with with Jack chasing. This. Well, he's he's uh, the first thing. Well, see, yeah, the, the first woman scene is, is his backstory. Yeah, the, no, it opens with the woman drowning. No, right? no, no, it's, it's actually, his backstory. Yeah, it's, this okay. is the first episode in the the series that opens with a backstory as the intro, and it's Jack as a school kid. Seems like elementary school, maybe maybe actually middle school or early high school, uh, and someone's getting bullied, and he you know he chooses to intervene, but doesn't you know kind of gets the shit kicked out of him in the process. And that's when we were introduced to his dad. And his dad, basically, oh, the speech right. from his dad gives him a Christian Shepherd who uh, basically sets the tone for, like, Jack's character and, like, a character beat that gets just sort of kind of like Kate run into the ground in, in a way that makes Jack a less interesting character over time. But it's the idea that he's the reluctant hero. and But it is interestingly set up against uh, John Locke, who is the, like, activist hero. He wants to be the leader, whereas... Uh, with Jack, everyone is just kind of, and that's the theme throughout the episode is people coming to Jack and saying, "Hey, what should we do about this? Hey, what should we do about that?" And him being like, "Like, get away from me! Like, I don't, I don't want to be that guy." And, and we find out in this introduction scene that a lot of that is driven by an alcoholic, abusive father who kind of bullied him into the the doctor business. It seems like, and then sort of has an active disdain for his son. <laughs> but you know, like any you know kid and his father, like it. You know, you still have a relationship with this person, despite how toxic it might be. Yeah, um, I I am not into Jack's backstory in this episode, or really any episode. There's mm-hmm. a few that are, I think, are kind of well done, but uh, 
this was this was I think the first even the Kate backstory in um uh the second episode I think was was a lot better than than this backstory just in terms of like holding my attention um and uh yeah really the the only payoff for me um is at the end of the backstory so so Jack then uh, his mother say it cuts to him being an adult, and his mother sends him. Right? Is there was there another one that I'm missing? No, the, the, it, cuts it cuts to, to his, it cuts to his mom, uh, and then she says, "Hey, you need to go get your father." And, and this right. is uh, Jack says, "You know, I I don't want to. Like, he doesn't deserve. I don't want to go. You know, fetch him. It sounds like this is something that has happened before. Right? You know, you know, you know. When we find out that that Christian has died, and you know, the, the assumption or the the Toxology reports suggest it was, uh, you know, alcohol that induced a heart attack. So obviously, the man has a lot of trouble. Jack has had to go fetch him before, uh, and there's a line from his mother that says, uh, "You can't say no to this, you know, after what you did to him." And we don't know what that is. That's you know something that will get illuminated later in the in the series. But mm-hmm. obviously, there is something that has happened between Christian and Jack that is more than just sort of the prolonged. Uh, strain that has been there since right uh you know christian was young and obviously we saw in that even that first scene with christian that he's stirring a drink in the middle of the day in front of his son so obviously that's sort of a a constant with him yeah and then you get the the jack um giving his little speech to the his teary uh, uh jack face uh, speech to the uh, uh the woman at the ticket counter trying to get his uh, father's coffin on the plane one of the one of the first great examples of jack face which is just uh, <laughs> uh well i ever got about jack face mm-hmm. man just, that really was a thing man, wasn't matthew shepherd just like making very emotional emotional jack face it's just acting yeah like it's, it's a little it's a little too much like it's time to cry yeah like, you know you know i mean he's <laughs> yeah. not the greatest actor in the world like i think he does service to the character as much as it needs to and I think he gets better as the series goes on, and he gets a little more interesting material to work with. Yeah, once he's got those chains to pull on, that's <laughs> uh, riveting. Gosh, Jackface. Yeah. Ooh. All right. Um, but the on the island stuff. Um, there's a couple of things that a couple of scenes on the island that like really click for me. Um, so the 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 drowning scene, I think, was um, was sort of dumb. I think it's mostly just sort of a character beat uh, for Jack, and it sort of shows that people are starting to maybe. I think they reference this later, but people are starting to get kind of complacent on the island, um, and they're starting to feel comfortable that the island is still incredibly deadly, and and uh, you know it still really is a survival situation that they haven't fully figured out. Um, and that leads to, um, uh, uh, another great story. Like I think the B story in this is actually way by far the best thing in, in, um, in the episode, which is the water shortage and the different characters sort of ploys to ration the water and come up with yeah. a value system of like, what, how is water worth? There's a great scene between uh, Sawyer and, uh, uh, what's her face? Uh, uh the awful, uh, Boone's uh, sister. Uh, oh, Shannon. Shannon. Thank you. Um, there's that great scene where she's trying to buy the bug repellent from him. Yeah. And he's like for the uh, sand fleas. For the sand fleas, and he's like, "What's what's money worth?" Right? Like <laughs> it's just a great like I love and also that. and also just like Sawyer's like complete deconstruction uh, of her of like, "Hey, it's worth five thousand dollars. I'm pretty sure you're good for it off this island." And mm-hmm. like just the way he like manipulates people in that way and. You know, there's got to be more to this guy. That there's reasons why he's acting this way, but like he he works as a really good foil for a lot of characters. And then when the character does take surprising turns, like when um, 
son, you know, is found with some water, and mm-hmm. they he they immediately point to, oh, we got the water from Sawyer. So then, you know, Said and Kate decide, well, we'll just wait, and then we're going to ambush Sawyer at one point, and we find out, like, no, he didn't take all the water. People have just been thinking, well, more water is just going to show up. I mean, Sawyer has the good line of, like, when they ask, like, why would you give away your last water? He's like, I'm an optimist. It's going to rain eventually. <laughs> like, it's just a really, like, yeah. really good line that's so in line with the character. He just does not give a fuck, and he's just rolling with it, and he figures it all is going to work out. And But he does. I mean, that was that's one of the things I love with, with that conversation with Shannon, too, is, like, he is a little bit optimistic. Like, he yeah. is willing to take $5,000, you know, $5,000 IOU. Uh, when they get back, like no one else is talking about what they're going to do when they get off the island. Like that's kind of a great. Uh, there's a lot in that scene that actually uh, um, really hit me as just a great, a great little conversation. Yeah, and and the scene with with Saeed and and Sawyer and Kate is also like one of our first examples of like uh, character turns that aren't happening in a flashback, right? So we're often getting information about the characters that informs their motivations on the island. But it's not happening because the characters on the island are learning about it. So this is an instance where, you know, well, so you know, Sawyer does come across as a scumbag, but you know, he didn't. He's not this bad. He's not stealing everyone's water. Right. Um, and that's where you know Saeed and and Kate are forced to realize, like, oh, maybe, like, we were kind of being assholes, you know, about this, and that you know maybe we should have rethought that, and that, you know, stuff like that, you know, starts to pile up and has repercussions as the season goes on, as people don't really know what to make of one another and obviously you know the whole theme of the show being uh, or at least in this first season of sort of like personal redemption and reinvention that people may want to change but that doesn't necessarily mean they end up actually changing yeah um and also just like i, I like the idea that there's there's more to people like how many times do you get on an airplane and you look around and everyone is just like animals and they're like they're like eating the food that could be your food and they're making noises that they that could be quiet like it's just like it's so easy to to look at people that way and like i i am kind of a sucker for that story of like oh all these people they're human beings and they have stories and lives and like they're interesting um they're complicated right yeah. like the, the, every character has to be introduced to sort of one note because you need to try and broad stroke the character to the audience. So, you know, they do that really early with Sawyer with nicknames, right? Like, I mean, that used to be my favorite part about the episode was always when Sawyer was on screen, new nickname. Like, I'm very excited to see what he, he doles out. I think, yeah. he, I think he called, I forget what he called Shannon. Was it Leggy? No, it was like Thin Stick. Well, Something like that. But yeah. anyway, like, he's always got some amazing quip. And, yeah. you know, and this is an episode where even just you know, four episodes in, we're getting some nuance to the character. Like, you know, we don't quite know his story yet, but at least sets up that Sawyer is more than just a a villain or a foil for everyone to get angry at and that it's probably going to get more complicated rather than... And that's, you know, a thing that Lost does so well is, is, you know, with the characters that it does develop well is allowing them to be a lot of things, which sets up really interesting power struggles as... Uh, you know, as we're you know seeing with the discovery of the caves at the end of the episode, is going to present like a, a really interesting question to people: is do you start to consider the idea of staying here at the expense of not being on the beach to say see a plane? Yeah, so that brings us to then Jack's story, which is kind of the on the island, which is kind of the meat of the episode. So mostly, it's it's um, Jack is like running after uh, the the man in the suit, who turns out to be his father. Um, 
he like falls off a cliff in a pretty bad like action set piece. But although it does have like it's not it's not like awful. It's just it's like kind of it's just a little more like come on yeah it's you know, like, like why how did you do that yeah it's like it's very Jungle Island like oh you got to have a guy hanging off a cliff on a vine like. It's like one step away of of someone stepping in quicksand or something like right, that. Like right? I, I would have much more easily bought just he trips, hits his head, gets knocked unconscious for a while, Locke finds him, and then you know everything unfolds the same way. It was just well, this is it was a, just a little bit more of like oh we got to have that's that that's that network TV thing of like that's yeah, maybe. the commercial break in the middle of the episode where people it's you know the half hour break and people can switch and watch another TV show. And you want your main character hanging off a vine off the side of a cliff. You need to get those horns in this episode at some point. And yeah. That's, that's like, I mean, I, I love I love when Lawless gets so predictable with his music sometimes. In ways I really enjoy it. But yeah. you get that wah, 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 wah. And then it just yeah. poof, like cuts to black. And like yeah. that's, Lost does that over and over and over again. Better than, you know, the, the music cues in, in Lost. I cannot think of another show where like they're so embedded as part of the character of the show. How are they? The others. Thirsty. Hungry. Waiting to be rescued. And they need someone to tell them what to do. Me? I can't. Why can't you? Because I'm not a leader. And yet they all treat you like one. I don't know how to help them. I'll fail. I don't have what it takes. Why are you out here, Jack? I think I'm going crazy. Well, you're not going crazy. No? No, crazy people don't know they're going crazy. They think they're getting sane. So, why are you out here? Chasing something. Someone. The White Rabbit. Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Wonderland, because who I'm chasing, he's not there. But you see him? Yes. But he's not there. And if I came to you and said the same thing, then what would your explanation be as a doctor? I'd call it an hallucination. It was all of dehydration, post-traumatic stress. Not getting more than two hours of sleep a night for the past week, all the above. All right, then you're hallucinating. But what if you're not? Then we're all in a lot of trouble. I'm an ordinary man, Jack. I meat and potatoes. I live in the real world. I'm not a big believer in magic. But this place is different special the others don't want to talk about it because it scares them but we all know it we all feel it is your white rabbit a hallucination probably but what if everything that happened here happened for a reason what if this person that you're chasing is really here that's impossible even if it is let's say it's not And what happens when I catch him? I don't know. But I've looked into the eye of this island. And what I saw... 
was beautiful. Wait, where, where are you going? To find some more water. I'll come with you. No, you need to finish what you started. Why? Because a leader can't leave until he knows where he's going. And then, probably for me, the high point of the episode uh, is this conversation where Locke shows up and pulls Jack like off of the side of the cliff, and they sort of have this talk about faith and belief and leadership um, and... Uh, what a what a great conversation that really lays out a lot of the themes of the show that to me were this was always why I watched Lost was like this conversation and these themes like I was totally into this um, and the other thing is like I've kind of been watching the since you brought it up last week I've been really enjoying watching the like power dynamic between Jack and Locke um, it's, just, it's super interesting like Jack really doesn't want to be the leader but everyone looks at him as the leader and Locke desperately wants to be the leader and nobody and everyone looks at him as sort of this like crazy guy um, I mean there's, yeah, there's the great line from Charlie when he's comforting Claire because she passed out for a little while you know this is also playing into this exhaustion thing that the people on the island are experiencing because they don't have enough water and you know he cracks a joke about you know not having 400 knives like he only has 200 knives and it's like a really good character moment between uh, Claire and Charlie uh, but also I think more broadly reflects you know it also functions to be as a, a broad sort of example of what people think of Locke and, and Locke is even smart enough in that conversation to reckon like he's not going for the power struggle he may want to be that leader but he's, See, but he's uh, I think he is I oh, think on think the surface on okay. the surface he says to he says to Jack the you know elite People need you to lead, and a leader needs to know where he's going. But, you know, the other thing is, the, the sort of flip side of that is he's sort of saying to Jack, like, I will let you be the leader. Like, you're not really the leader if someone hands you power. The person who true. gives you the, right? So, now, maybe I'm putting... And it's in a moment of weakness for Jack as well. Like right. He's, he, is, he is physically drained. He is emotionally drained. He, he cannot explain what he's seeing. Like, and I love that moment. Where Locke just says, "Just tell me what you saw." Yeah, you know where we, and it's one of those great moments that the show didn't do enough over its run was just characters talking about what they've seen and being like, "This shit is crazy." Yeah, and and <laughs> and Locke has seen a vision on the island, right? And Jack has seen a vision on the island, and they read. It's it's a great. You see their characters clashing, and you learn more about these characters from the way that they interpret it. And what they do, right? Locke's first instinct is he fucking stares that thing down and he goes after it. And Jack is like... He's got nothing to lose, right? Yeah. Like Locke, Locke is reinvented on this island in a way that he wants to embrace as opposed to Jack is reinvented in a way that... I mean, he's uh, going insane. exposing his character flaws. Yeah, he's going insane in this episode. Um, but I did read that subtext of, like, of Locke, of almost Locke saying, like, you know, you, you go ahead and lead these people, but I'll, I'm going to set the agenda here like i'm gonna be the i'm gonna be the see that the the upper level uh management right i I don't know maybe i'm pulling the strings a little bit by being the sympathetic you know character that says hey jack like you're not crazy you know and he's got reason to think that jack (laughs) isn't crazy and and i love that he he sets up that line of well what would what would dr jack say is happening right now and he, Mm -hmm. he gives the you know immediate analysis of he's probably just hallucinating and, you know, there's that you know, sort of now famous line of, you know, I've looked into the, the eye of the island and what I saw was beautiful. Yeah. 
I that I think that tells you so much, especially knowing where the show goes. Like that defines the character. Like that one line is now the sort of emotional events investment that Locke has in this new place, and it's a re- I think a really powerful line for explaining like the complete three six or you know. 180 this character has done for himself he's not very confident has seemingly a path forward but also you know is a is a man of faith yeah it's just such a great the way they put those characters in conflict and in orbit around each other like it's so smart because you know they have this very similar experience of having these visions and Locke's takeaway from it is that the island is important and he sees himself as like a small actor in this grand scheme of things but what does he do with it he's like out walking around in the jungle in a t-shirt alone like (laughs) who the hell knows what he's doing jack meanwhile like he is so myopic and he has no sense of like that that there's anything weird going on he doesn't care about that he he to my reading like in this episode he only cares about himself right he like he only is cares about his own selfish issues with his dad and he smashes the coffin and he's a big man baby making jack face the whole time but then he comes back out of the jungle after all of that and he gives the speech that people need to hear like he provides that leadership that people need to hear of like we need to create an institution of of we need to have some sort of governance and we need to organize ourselves Let's live to together get die alone right? yeah i mean that's the, that whole line encapsulates what jack's thinking is now having seen the caves yeah. and that's fresh like, water that's like a thousand years of political philosophy summed up in in that <laughs> right. one sentence right which yeah. is like um and and you know it's it's just it's there's so much from from the very high level of like the the character these two characters and the the philosophies and the political philosophies that they come to represent there's just so much there in that dynamic and um um I, I really dig it i think in later seasons like especially in season 2 it gets reduced to like a cartoon of these characters right where their beliefs are so simplified. man of science man of faith yeah exactly i mean which is like literally an episode title like i mean they're just so like chewing it for you and like spoon feeding it for you at that point but um there's just so much there's a real like depth and and ambiguity to these guys and and i just I just really love it. I think it's a, a great, um, a great moment, in the, a, a great moment in this episode that like almost redeems it for me. Um, that 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 little conversation they have. Yeah, and you know the the whole discovery uh, of the caves that Jack ends up happening as a result of chasing you know the, you know the you know the reference White Rabbit is for right. the you know Alice in Wonderland followed down the rabbit hole and Locke encourages him to go do this. You know, I can't imagine. Locke knows what that means, but obviously Locke trusts the island. So from Locke's perspective, Jack should trust the island, and trusting the island means following wherever this figure is taking you. The figure takes Jack to the discovery of the caves, which takes him to the discovery of a freshwater source that gives them shelter both from whatever this creature is and from uh, the rain uh, that uh, you know kind of comes in and out of the island at will. And then he finds the coffin and realizes, you know, whether this is all crazy or whether this is somehow orchestrated, he doesn't really seem concerned with that because he's still kind of getting over this whole idea of, I mean, it's, you know, we do have to remember for the arc of the character, you know, he just discovered his dead father and then giving that speech at the airport, he's clearly in a rush to have closure when he has no concept of what the idea of closure even means. He thinks burying his father is closure, which is why he gives that speech at the airport and 
then when he can't find the body, part of the reason he gets so upset is because he has now lost the very thing he thought he needed to move forward in his life, which, you know, he's conflating all sorts of different things. He has all sorts of hangups he needs to address before he gets there. But for him at that moment in time, the body is incredibly important. And now for whatever reason, it's gone. How are we doing on time? Hmm? What's, how are we doing on time? 53. Oh, good. Um, yeah, the other the other thing I really like about the discovery of the caves is like I, I love that they that it's left open to interpretation, right? Like if you want to see things from Jack's perspective, like he was just hallucinating and he was running through the jungle and he happened to stumble upon. And of these course, caves. there are caves or something. Yeah, yeah, it's like it it's was, an island. If you run around for long enough, you'll find these caves. But if you uh, are more on on Locke's side of things, like he had a fucking vision quest, right? And the ghost of his father like uh, appeared. Uh, and the island brought him to him and showed him these caves and it's like the will of the island that they go to those caves um and that was i mean that's just like the perfect kind of like tantalizing mystery of like it's it's a it's such a it could be both that's what's great about that reveal is that it functions on both levels in which you can believe that it's just random and that you could of course come across this on an island but there's plenty of evidence or suggestion that maybe there's something more happening but it's but it, it doesn't it doesn't definitively go one way or the other it's same with the father's body being missing like yeah. that's what's so great about that is like, like well, of course it could have fallen out yeah, in flight like crash. that's completely rational but also like the body's not there the ghost was appearing <laughs> like and i, I am it's interesting because like in my character like i am such so such a rationalist like i'm 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 so unimpressed by you know spiritual magical like nonsense right. like that but like I, you know, it's like the show really gets me into that place of like I I want to believe, like I want to I like in some part just because I want the show to be great and watchable, and I want to I want to get deep into these mysteries. Like I want the island to guide Jack there, and I want to find out what's going on with the island. Like I want to believe there's something like mystical going on there. And, and it's um, so early in the show that you know you're not getting hung up on what any of that means yet, right? Yeah. Like like the introduction of mythology and mystery. And, and secrets that may or not be occurring on this island, you're not concerned about, you know, you're four episodes in. Like right. you're, you're just excited that it's happening, not necessarily about where it's going, uh, which, which is obviously, you know, something that becomes more complicated as a show goes on and a, and a, and a community wants answers uh, to those things. But right now, just the reveals themselves are done so well that it's just part of the fun. Yeah, um, so I thought uh, I would we would end the uh, conversation with this great quote. I found this great quote in an interview with George R. R. Martin. Uh, turns out that he was a, a Lost fan. Um, oh, is, is this his quote? Okay, yeah, I, think I know which quote you're gonna pull. Yeah, um, so uh, I'll just uh, I'll end with this. Um, so this is from from George R. R. Martin. He's the author of uh, Game of the Game of Thrones series. Um, so he says, "I did watch Lost. I watched Lost in its entire run, and I was fascinated." But, you know, even as early as the second season and certainly the third season, I started saying, how the hell are they going to pull all this together? If they pull all of this together, it is going to be the greatest show in the history of television, man. They better know how to pull this together. And then when I reached the end and they hadn't pulled it all together, and in fact they left a big turd on my doorstep, I was pretty upset, you know? So, like, <laughs> simultaneously, that is the best way to sum up my feelings of loss. Like, I just couldn't couldn't feel more more strongly in agreement with that. But also, like, it gives me such hope for the Game of Thrones series, right? Because it's like, well, maybe he, uh, he has a master plan and he'll pull all that together. Yeah. I feel the same way about Game of Thrones of, like... If he pulls that shit together, you know you don't read those books, do you? No, but I watch the show. Yeah. Okay. If he pulls all of that together, 
that'll be the greatest, one of the greatest genre fiction series of all time. Sure. Like, but I just don't see how it's going to happen. Like, there's so much there. It's good luck. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure Damon Lindelof is, is, yeah, right. is happily watching it cackling from a distance. Yeah. Finish your books, fucker. Like. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that's it for this week, uh, except for our spoiler chat uh, after the music. So stick around if you want to hear that. Next week, we're going to watch episode five of Lost, House of the Rising Sun. Um, this is uh, one of my favorite episodes of the season. Uh, I lo- it's a Jin and Sun episode, so you get to see... Um, so much mystery with those characters right now. Yeah, you get to see... A, a, like there's a, clearly... You know, there's the power dynamic between them. There's, you know, there's a lot going on that, you know, the language barrier just adds to like what's going on with these people. Yeah, and you get to see like one of my favorite tropes of Lost, which is taking kind of like B-list characters and promoting them to A-list. And they're taking people who you don't really you're they've sort of faded into the background and you're not really worrying about them every week and they're going to put they're going to put that this episode is going to show you enough of their story that they're going to go right on your A-list of like I want to check back in with these guys. I want to know what's going on, just like Walkabout did for for John Locke. And they, and they, and they stop being sort of like it's very easy for shows to have the trope of just like the foreign characters that are there, if not for comic relief, but is just like a means for the, the the storytelling to like confuse the main characters. And Lost does some of that, but then at some point says, you know what? No, these are real people, and we're gonna flush that out. And this does a really good job of like totally changing how you look back on a couple of interactions between the two of them. Um, all right. So the show notes for this episode. Uh, are available at rewatchpodcast.com. As always, you can email us your questions or comments about this episode at rewatchpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll uh, read them on the next episode. You can also tweet us at, at uh, rewatchpodcast. Thanks to Steve Fabwash Kim for our artwork. Thanks to Dose One for our theme music. You can check out his work, including his ringtone of the month, at dose1.bandcamp.com. Thanks, uh, thanks again to Jeff Lieber. I feel like we should thank him again because we talked about him for so long. But um, a really, really cool thing to do for us uh, coming on the podcast last week. Thanks to Lex Friedman in the mid-roll for hooking up our sponsorships. And thanks to all of you guys for listening along with us. Um, you can help us out uh, by going on to iTunes and um, giving us a, a, a good rating and leaving a little review. That helps uh, keep us up on the iTunes charts. And we'll see you next week to talk about House of the Rising Sun. Pixel. Yep. Hello. Blink, blink twice if you're alive. <laughs> She's still alive. Yeah. There's two. Spoiler chat. Yeah. Spoiler chat. Let's do it. All right. So just to be clear, if we we were not clear before, <laughs> somehow you left your iPhone on. We are going to spoil the shit out of Lost, and we're like, not going to do it in a way that's going to be pleasing to you if you haven't seen the show before. So, like a significant reveal that is amazing if you've watched the whole show and you're rewatching it. But we'll ruin huge mysteries that are played out over the course of several yeah, seasons. So turn this off now if you don't want to be really disappointed. Just in general, turn it off. But like, if you want to keep listening, then I guess. Oh, go the ahead. time has passed. They're in. <laughs>
<laughs> they're hooked. Um, okay, so we, as we were talking about this kind of setting up for the podcast, I was kind of, as I was watching this episode, I couldn't remember. I was like, did they really ever explain the vision of the father? And I was like, what happened to, to the father's body? I was like trying to piece it all together. And Patrick like kind of explained it to me, and it blew my fucking mind. Like, it's actually... I'm like really satisfied by it's it's one of I think the most satisfying you know it depends on how you look at storytelling right yeah. okay well let's okay so yeah. let's explain what it is so yeah. it's that you know we eventually learn that the the ultimate sort of like battle between good and evil that's happening on the island and at least in its current incarnation is between a guy named Jacob and a guy that we never learned the name of but he's the man in black and he's his brother um, and there have been other eternal struggles between good and evil on this island but they are the current sort of chess players <clears throat> and. Uh, you know, Jacob for a long time in the show is, is trapped in this cabin for we couldn't remember why the max, magic pixie dust did it, but there's some I'm sure there's a reason or something. I can't. <laughs> I'm sure, the there's a reason. Some anyway, it's uh, Jacob has to kind of stay out of things. He's kind of manipulating things in the background. But the man in black, is, you know, we learn come to learn is the smoke monster, and the smoke monster is a sort of on-site uh, security system, and he can take control of bodies on the island. It's the reason they bring Locke back in later seasons, and that's when we get the physical manifestation of the man in black when it's not flashbacks. But that also explains Christian Shepard, in which the man in black essentially leads Christian Shepard, or Jack Shepard, to the caves because at that stage of the game, you know, you know, Jacob has brought these people, these candidates, as we learn, to the island, and the man in black is trying to manipulate them you know, for his uh, own. Well, he's trying to cause conflict. Yes. Which, if you remember, like, that's the biggest source of conflict in the first season is they, like, split into two groups and they battle over resources. There's, like, the caves group and the beach group. Like... And the caves, the caves group is admitting defeat. Like, in a certain sense, it is giving up on the hope that you are going to be rescued from this island in any time soon. And that is a conflict that splits up you know, the candidate splits up the characters. Even if you take all the mythology stuff out of it, like it, it's it's something that is going to cause a lot of strife and conversation and split people into camps, which, uh, you know, Jacob's ultimate, or the Man in Black's ultimate aims is to disrupt all of these people, have them not work together, not want to work harmoniously. That's immediately right. playing. And, you know, given the conclusion or the conversation between uh, Locke and Jack of these different, sort of philosophies and these different power struggles that are not yet power struggles, but we're clearly seeing the philosophies outlined. You can see why, you know, the man in black would lay that groundwork really, really early. So what, how is he manipulating Locke at this, to his ends at this point? So he appeared before Locke as the smoke monster. I assume I, well, the the island ends up being revealed to just have natural healing powers. So that's not something the man in black is explicitly doing. Right. But, but isn't there like later moments in the series when, like, he loses his ability to walk. It has to do with something about your faith in the island or something. I that might believe. be. Because it's like whenever he doubts himself, he his legs go. Right. But, um, no, but there's something about, um, although, wait a second. No, I don't know. We got to wait until we learn more about that. There was something about, like, maybe it was, like, being near the hatch, like, caused his legs to go or Possibly. something. Possibly. I, I think it's know. a crisis of faith thing. I think yeah. that is, like, the, the whole yeah. idea that they... But, okay, so, but, but... So last week, right, the man in, the smoke monster, Man in Black, appears before Locke as the smoke monster. Yeah. And Locke says, I looked into the eye of the island, which for him, from his journey, the smoke monster is the eye of the island. Like right. that is his side. He's chosen. Um, 
and he says, what I saw was beautiful. What did he see? I don't know what that means. What yeah. did he see? I think, so we know from later episodes, from like the Mr. Echo episode, right? Mm-hmm. That when characters look into the smoke monster, they see flashes of their life. They see images. Ooh. It's possible, yeah, because he, he, you know, the the smoke monster uses that to manipulate Liu into like making bad decisions. He definitely does that with Mr. Echo with like... Showing him his brother yeah. and things like that. So I wonder what he showed Locke. Because he showed Locke something that gave him this faith in the island and yeah. led him to, to tell Jack to follow his visions. And then obviously the man in black is then using the body. He's taking Christian Shepard's body and showing Jack around the island. Patrick is furiously Googling trying, right trying now. Trying to see if like there's anything that explains... Let's see if your dog is still uh, alive. Pixel. This is just a random... Oh, there she is. Okay. okay. We'll just well, let's just go with this random theory on Lostopedia from April fifth, two thousand ten, from OG Ben Linus, which is just a really good <laughs> lost name. Uh, I assume you all know the quote I'm talking about. If not, watch the Lockjack conversation from season one, White Rabbit. I think the best theory is that Man in Black showed him something to manipulate him. I've seen other theories that say Man in Black showed him his alternate reality, which could work as well. I've also seen something on the lines of Jacob as White Smoke appearing to him. Any other theories out there? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. Um, I think it could be any of those things. I don't even necessarily know if it matters uh, what. Oh, here's, okay. There's actually a line later in the series. So Locke says, what exactly did you see back there? I saw it once, you know. And Echo says, and what did you see? And Locke says, I saw a very bright light. It was beautiful. And then Echo says, that is not what I saw. So I, it, it may be an instance of, the, the, you know, the, the man in black showing you whatever you want to see. Uh, he's obviously capable of showing realities or characters that aren't real. So when we see him, so we as the viewers see uh, the smoke, a cloud of black smoke with images sort of flashing in it right in front of Mr. Echo's face. Maybe that's our perspective as the viewer. And what Mr. Echo is seeing is the content of those images. So the smoke monster can sort yeah. of project into you. Possibly. I mean, these are all stuff that probably makes more sense. Like, if I watch the series again and you get a better understanding of, like, what, like, he's capable of actually doing. Because there's, like, a whole scanning process that kind of happens. When we're done with the the first season, I am shotgunning Lost. I haven't seen it since it aired. So, I'm boy, I'm going to go through it real quick. It's summer. Like, it's there'll be days where there is air conditioning on and I'm just going to go through whole seasons in a weekend, which I'm excited about. But... Yeah, did you didn't you say something about the webisode with Vincent? Like made everything. Click oh yeah, in a way so too? it was like so the webisode with Vincent that I'm remembering is it opens up with uh, Christian Shepherd like walking through the jungle, and I think he's even maybe holding Vincent by the collar or something, mm-hmm. and then he's like, "Okay, go wake him up," and Vincent runs off and he goes and and drags his anus over Jack's right. face, just like in the um, he, he puts his ding dong right in his eye, just like in the pilot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right? which, which, yeah, I mean, like, and I just... remember when I saw that, I was like, "What the fuck?" Right. He was around before the plane crashed, and then I got very confused because I was like, "Is Christian Shepard like the mover behind all of this?" Is he I think like... there was, the, yeah, there was certainly theories that I had early on that well, maybe Christian Shepard is sort of a mastermind on the island that we don't know because about. he's also involved in Sawyer's flashbacks, right? Or he's at. The bar with Sawyer, right. I think. And when... he's Claire's father. Do we find that out? Yes. That's canon? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's not fan fiction. <laughs> okay. Well, I remember it was one of those things that like people put together really early. Yes. It was in, It was inferred and then said explicit in, okay. in a later episode. So I couldn't episode. remember if it was like a fan theory or like a real no, theory. Okay. No. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was one of those, you know, in terms of answers that you got in the show, like 
answers that were satisfying, like you know, the voices in the uh, the jungle forest are like the, oh, the ghosts of the dead. Man. Like not that satisfying. I, now I'll be honest. I think that I was very very mad about the smoke monster. Did not like the smoke monster. Didn't like that it was a monster made of smoke. I wanted it to be a cloud of nanobots. I wanted it to be a hallucination. I wanted yeah. it to be anything other than a monster <laughs> that's made of smoke that makes mechanical noises. And it shows. doesn't make a lot of sense. It's it's one of those moments where the the mystery they wanted to instill early on betrayed sort of what it ended up becoming in in a way that. You kind of understand. Do you remember the episode later where it drags Lost through the grabs onto his leg yes. with like a and you hear like a cranking mechanical sound yes. and like get f- like fuck that. I they want do, well like, they do that multiple times when you get the you finally get the the backstory episode on Rousseau mm-hmm. and you find out what the sickness was. Right, like I mean, it's just the. What was it? I don't remember. The, this. Why the smoke monster just fucking killed all of them? Like they were in the temple. There might have actually been a sickness. I can't remember. I can't remember. They were in the temple. Like, when did you get the Rousseau backstory? Late. Know. It was real late, late. Late at some point. Yeah, you get a, you get a flashback with her in which that explains how she uh, came to be, you know, alone on the island. And then the smoke monster comes and just bashes. I mean, there's plenty of times where the smoke monster is, a, you know, just used to destroy people. Um, that's why you know the, the the Dharma people set up the the sonic the sonic hosts. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, yeah, we're. Just, we're getting a little deep into like mythology that I was telling you before three years ago. Well, I'm, I'm glad to, I'm, I will say I do, I'm have, I do have my lost, my actual lost encyclopedia. Oh, well, I let's go this, look some of the stuff. I have okay. this, like this but giant I, I will say, book. Like, I am pleasantly surprised at how well the Christian shepherd's body thing is explained by the man. That, I think black. that's a really, really now, good if explanation. They had just, let me make a, like a head, like a pitch to uh-huh. you here. Like, why isn't it that the man in black was, was non-corporeal? He didn't have a body. Until there was a body for him to inhabit, a dead body on the island, right? Right. And that was his curse. And that was why, you know, he was motivated to, like, he was mad at Jacob because Jacob had a body and imprisoned him in the cabin or whatever. Right. And they just let the, secu- the, the smoke monster, let it just be a monster. Like, it's just like some crazy thing on the island that kills people. As opposed like, to just combining the two into one? Yeah. Like, it just, I just don't make the man in black. The, the, everything would be, I'd be so much happier if the. Like, smoke- it'd, be fi- it'd be fine if. I think they could have had their cake and ate it too, and made it that the man in black, you know, you know, was you know whatever a ghost figure just on the island because they've established that's certainly fine, and they controlled this security system like that was what he that was the the, the tactical advantage he had. He couldn't be present on the island, but he had a presence there as opposed to actually being that presence. Oh my it's god, just, that's like why he kills the pilot. When yeah. right when they start talking to him, yes. that's not just like a coincidence. He yeah. kills the pilot because they're about to like start working together, and he wants to like. Which is again one of those you know okay you put aside you know your criticisms of how they develop that as a character is a great rewatch moment of yeah. like wow like that you know and that's what I meant to to circle around to about the idea of like it's all kind of retconning right like obviously they probably didn't know all of that plotting from from day one, but that's storytelling right like right. I mean. One of the things that always frustrates me about how people criticize loss and whether they knew everything from day one, um, certainly some of that is, is valid, but you read uh, any of what Vince Gilligan said about Breaking Bad. Like, let's take the final, you know, I don't, mm, no, okay, I don't want to spoil Breaking Bad, but let's say a lot of the big moments at every. Oh, you could spoil. Oh, okay. No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I can say it without doing it. Okay. Uh, any of the big, crazy moments at the beginning of a season or end of a season. Okay. Uh, 
they didn't necessarily know where that was going. Vince Gilligan would say what they he loved about the show was writing themselves into a corner and figuring out how they could justify that the next season. And Breaking Bad just did it better, right? Like, I mean, that's ultimately just like what it comes Breaking down Bad to. Breaking Bad had what ten, twelve episodes a season. Yeah, right. Also easier to pull off. Yeah, but uh, you know, that's one of those moments I think in Lost with with Christian Shepard that it feels very organic. Like, obviously, storytelling that's mystery based is going to retcon to explain previous mysteries and that's one that i think they hit out of the park like it is logically consistent with the narrative arc of the show and where it goes with good it, it evil. makes me less mad about um the thing with Lock, you know Locke's body with the smoke monster like like driving Locke's body around for the last season right which i felt like cheesy like oh, i felt face. like that was such bullshit when i saw it for the first time i was like you're telling me that Locke got cool again and it wasn't Locke? like <laughs> Fuck this. That's its own separate, like, the yeah, the resolution of Locke's arc is, I think, frustrating. Ugh. Uh, I mean, the last moment that who we know of John Locke when he is murdered is, like, such a horrifying end to a character that had a bad yeah, life. Yeah, and that's like, you learn that in the finale. It's like, that was one of the, the, the big, like, shits that it took right in my mouth in the finale is it's like, you're telling me Locke died, he just hung himself, and, like, Ben was there, and, like, made it look like a suicide or whatever? Like, it was such a... Yeah, such an awful end. Like a, one of the best characters in television. Like so, in some I mean, ways, I think it's kind of uh, one. Of the, well, I don't know. Well, we should probably end spoiler talk. Okay. We, this episode's gone on pretty long. We'll we'll see. I think you know some folks had asked whether hey, it'd be cool if you guys talked had a section for spoilers. I think the way to handle it is exactly how we did it here. Is if there's like something that bubbles and we're just like, we just have to talk about it. We'll staple it off the end. But otherwise, I don't think there's necessarily a reason to. To devote 15, 20 minutes to this every week. But if something like this comes up where it deserves it, I think uh, we can try and find time for it. 